this edition of Rising is One podcast. I am Aaron Blau, your host for today, with my co-host Kyle Mackey and special guest, fresh off studying for the bar exam, actually continuing to study for the bar exam. Uh, we have Dominic Kearns actually joining us for for uh, the first part of this episode. Dom, how are things going? It's going all right, man. I mean, at this point, I'm just reviewing outlines. I've basically done hundreds and hundreds of multiple choice questions. I've done all the essay questions, written them out. So at this point, it's just like remembering little things for the exam because two days away. I don't want to talk about that right now. We won 11 fucking games in a row. Let's talk about that. Uh, 11 fucking games in a row. That's exactly right. Uh, pretty crazy day yesterday. Uh, almost felt a little bit weird because it was an early start to the match, and you wanted to celebrate a deep into the night. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, a little bit different Saturday routine with that early 5.30 start. But, uh, I mean, I can tell you right after that, you know, 7.30 when the match ended, I was very pumped, wasn't able to go to sleep till late last night. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the drinking had a little bit to do with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just unreal. 11 in a row. I mean, not only is this making, you know, news around the USL. I mean, I feel like this is, you know, big news just in the USA. To be the most winningest soccer team, um, I mean, as far as, you know, consecutive wins, it's, it's just a record that, you know, hopefully will stand for a long, long time. Where did you end up catching the game? I, I was um, out at, over at my parents' for the first half, so I kind of was just watching on my phone, and then I came home and just watched the second half at home. So just around the house. But uh, actually it was kind of nice because I didn't feel so bad when I was screaming obscenities at uh, the other players and the rest. So it actually worked out well, I think. I didn't have to offend anybody with my, uh, my curse words. Dom, I think uh, you were planning on heading over to the Walter Station Brewery to uh, watch the match with uh, uh, the Red Fury. Uh, did you make it over there? I did. Um, they were saying there was supposed to be like a cornhole tournament that I don't think actually happened. But by the time I got there, there were people, and it was a good time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's always a fun place to watch matches. They do U.S. national team stuff over there too. So if you're ever interested in watching a friendly or the uh, U.S. as they start getting ready for World Cup qualifying, that's a good spot to go to. Yeah, and there's not a lot of distraction. I mean. Uh, it, it's pretty much just its own little microbrewery. There's not a lot going on there. There's not video games. There's not a lot of uh, um, what you might call normies, I guess. I mean, if I was going to be try to be some like snooty soccer guy, there's not a lot of normies that are there. Uh, so Walter Station, really cool, uh, really cool little spot to be able to hang out. Um, hey, and uh, joining us right now, our first call in. Uh, we have Boone Brady coming in. So, uh, Boone, we were just talking about where we were catching, where we catch the match yesterday. Where were you at? Oh, I caught it from the wonderful confines of my own home. Kick back, relax, and ready to rock and roll. And uh, hopefully, you were uh, having a good time and, and uh, enjoying. Did you have any company with you? No, just my wife. We were kind of kicking it back, taking an easy day, you know, trying to stay out of the heat, trying to stay cool, calm, and relaxed, and was able to do so for the most part. Trying to stay awake during a lot of that match was a struggle. That's uh, that's kind of what I was saying right before we started recording. It was uh, it was an interesting match, so let's get into it a little bit. Uh, here, uh, again, Coach Chance uh, comes out 
with a start our standard starting lineup now. John Asante Fleming's up front, Aguinaga, Bakera, and Musa in the middle, and on the back line, Bala and Farrell sitting in the in your center backs, and Dian Dubaya on the wings with Lubin in in the center. Uh, a little bit of changeover in the substitutes this week. Uh, we add in, um, or we get rid of Amienu, um, and Howell didn't make the the trip for this particular match. But on the bench, coach has to choose from Wazinski, Kyle Bjornson, AJ Cochran, Ledbetter, uh, Lambert, Kalistri, and Spencer. Uh, any any thoughts on this lineup, uh, Kyle? I mean, as you said, this is our set. You know, this is our bread and butter lineup, it seems like. Um, the only player that I think, you know, a lot of people will debate is Yvonne Lambert coming in for James Musa. But, I mean, those guys are pretty interchangeable when you look at them as far as their play. So, I, I mean, I really, you know, kind of have heart set on this lineup. And, you know, it's good to see Sean's going with the consistency and going out to get this 11th win. Yeah, and uh, definitely had a little bit of concern about whether or not some of these players were going to be able to come back after a chippy Austin match. Uh, Dom, any surprises here? You know, honestly, I was thinking that Deshaun might elect to give Ledbetter his first start. With Dumbuya going down in the last match, um, with him starting a bunch of matches in a row, I was thinking he might give Ledbetter a chance, especially with Tulsa not being the strongest opposition. But you know, it's good to see Dumboya in there, and I think it made a difference. Um, other than that, pretty standard stuff. I mean, you're always going to have the attacking trio, and uh, the way the midfield's been rolling, you know, he's been giving Musa the start. It'll be interesting to see if that changes next Saturday with Kavon making a huge impact when he, when he got on as a sub. That'll be a later talking point. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I was a little bit concerned about Demboya's uh, health uh, in, this, in the match. Uh, thank God, though, that he was that he was playing, uh, because I'll tell you, I on first look of this match, the first ten minutes or so, um, I was actually really, really surprised at the speed of the Tulsa Roughnecks. Now, I made a couple mentions of this on Twitter. I think for Firebird, uh, tweeting on the Firebird Soccer account. Two of the Roughnecks' back line had, like, maybe 11 games this year between them. Two of their midfielders had six games in between them, including this Mom Premier player, um, who we'll talk about a little bit more uh, as we get into it. Um, so they don't start Luca Lobo, who is one of their leading scorers. Now, somebody else made an interesting point. Lobo really hasn't scored since April. He had seven goals very early on in the season and hasn't really scored much. The only player who's scored in, the, I think, their past six games is Rodrigo da Costa, who, uh, uh, who did start in their midfield position. So Tulsa even ran out a little bit of a, of a different uh, starting lineup against us, and their speed was really really surprising to to me. Uh, Boone, what were your initial thoughts as you watched the first 10 or 15 minutes of this match? Yeah, you know, just kind of echoing what you said, how quickly they were able to not only get out, but get out and test our back line. I felt like uh, Kamala did a good job tracking back, Farrell did a good job tracking back, but I think that their speed really, really kind of tested us in the middle, and, and it, they came out on fire. Tulsa absolutely came out on fire. 
and I think it took us by a little bit of surprise. We all kind of figured they were going to sit back, which they did for the most part, but when they were hitting on the counter, they came hitting hard for sure. One thing that caught me, the one thing that was not on fire and speedy and crazy, felt like the grass. Kyle, am I wrong to think that that ball was moving moving crazy slow across the field? Yeah, I mean, you could, you could see it um, on TV. It, it just looked like we lacked the crispness of play, and I really think it came down to, you know, there was multiple times where we saw our players be in a position where they thought they were going to receive the ball and they were either had overshot it or, you know, not been able to get the right angle on the ball due to the way that it's running across the grass. It did really seem like, you know, in that first half especially, that uh, it really affected us. And, and just to go back to your guys' point of Tulsa having a lot of speed, that's the one thing I noticed, and I think ultimately it really caught our team off guard. And, I mean, we saw it, you know, with a few of the yellow cards that we collected in the first half. It was just players pulling guys down from behind, and I think it was because they just were not ready for the speed that Tulsa had. Yeah, I mean, so the grass wasn't great. I saw a comment that they were using slower balls, too. Like, usually they use the goalkeeper select balls, and they use standard select balls, which tend to be heavier. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, but that, that was, was more of me joking. You know, the goalkeeper training balls tend to be heavier um, because as you're tossing them at the keeper, they have to be able to, to grab them and throw them back. Um, so that was that was me just joking, basically thinking that, it looked like there was weighted balls on the ground, and I think Coach had made a made a comment, or um, I think Owen Evans maybe have caught, had caught Coach um, making a comment about that the grass was really long, and the grass was long, in a, and we've seen this before in an attempt to slow us down. So, sorry, Dom, go ahead. Okay, thanks for a little bit of clarification there. I was just going to say, whatever the cause, the passing that we had in the first half was the worst uh, passing and possession that we've had since the first half of Orange County back in May. I mean, it was really rough. We were outplayed in that first half and probably lucky to be nil-nil at halftime. Um, Lubin had to make a huge save early on in a 1v1 chance, and we hardly created anything. I mean, I was I was kind of relieved that it was nil-nil because I was thinking, all right, if we can just hang in this, we're going to get an opportunity. But, but, I mean, a better team would have gone up on us. So, thank goodness we were playing both of there. It was not pleasant. Even different from the RGV where the passing was better, we just weren't creating the opportunities, you know? Yeah, and I really – and I if I was in that post game, I really want to talk about field conditions because uh, that's what I was – just harping on at the very beginning, uh, and I don't think I was the only one to see it. I mean, first of all, you're already playing on a baseball field. Um, it, it's already kind of crummy, but the ball just looks so slow, and our typical sort of ticky-tacka where in, in trying to get the, the balls moved is on, on any of those final passes, those final touches, the ball was just not making it to the end of player. Um, and that was allowing Tulsa to be able to put extra pressure on, especially on our back line. Uh, but we were able to, to reciprocate as well. Um, Kyle, and any other any other thoughts on the first 15 or so minutes? Yeah, I mean, it definitely just started off 
started off, you know, poor for rising, definitely not the start that we, you know, are used to seeing or hope to seeing um, because we just know when this team scores early, they're able to really put it on. And so that was the one thing that, you know, kind of was my first takeaway was, you know, this is going to be just like they said pre-match, RGV2. I mean, it, it's going to be another RGV-type match, and, you know, it played out just like that. So, you know, it was it was frustrating to watch, but really after you watch the first 10 minutes, it's not surprising to see how this match went. So in the 10th, Flemings has a shot. The 12th, Mom Premier, the Tulsa player, uh, um, has that shot that uh, Dominic was mentioning. They were able to penetrate on the left-hand side. I think Mala, uh, I think it was Mala or if it was Farrell on coverage. But the coverage was pretty okay to be able to push him to the side um, and give him a smaller window and, and to give Lubin a, a, a window to be able to uh, block that shot. Uh, in the 17th minute, they again, um, Tulsa again gets penetration on the left-hand side. It seems like they really wanted to test Mustafa and see if his foot actually was okay. So they, they pull up on the left-hand side. Mustafa actually does get beat. And in a rare in a rare situation for him at least, he gets beat and uses a smart professional foul, uh, goes straight to yellow, and thus starts the. Um, this might be called the mustard spread game because there was so much yellow going around. Uh, Boone, what do you think of that foul? Was that a smart foul? Where were where were you at there? Yeah, I think. I think it's a smart foul. You know, it's a professional foul. Is it a yellow? Probably. Um, you got to stop. You know, you got to take a few chances. It's his defensive responsibility. He was beat. So he had to do what he had to do. Um, you know, take a yellow and start, you know, start that onslaught of the ref just kind of taking over. Not necessarily calling bad fouls, but calling every single foul. Um, I think he kind of took the spotlight a little bit, and it started right here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and about 15 minutes later, Musa picks up a yellow of his own. A couple minutes later, Farrell picks up one of his. So now we got two players on the back line uh, on yellow, and we're not even halfway through the match. Um, Musa's foul, I don't recall that one. Uh, Kyle, do you remember that? Can, can I? Go, go ahead, Dom. Can I just address all these? So... The Dumboya one is pretty clear-cut yellow card because the guy had the end line. Agree. And Dumboya got the – all right, the middle two by Musa and Farrell were pretty damn soft. Musa, it was a foul, but the guy wasn't near the 18. I think he just – there was a little bit of a touch. Like, he extended his arm a little bit. They called it – the Farrell one, I don't recall the exact circumstances, but it was something similar. It wasn't like a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity. And the vast majority of the time, it's just a, a foul, not a card. Um, I want to say the Farrell one was, like, on the left side of the field, around, like, 25 to 30 yards from the box, or from goal. Um, and those ones were weak. The last one by Aginaga, that's that's pretty standard. He pulled him back. Yeah, Aginaga got beat. He, got beat. Um, he reached his arm out, caught his jersey. I think the question is, is that a yellow or not? I think it can be argued a little bit either way. It's definitely a foul, and because of the well, breakout that's, that's going on, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Because it's a breakout and there's open space, you give the yellow there. Yeah, um, and it, that was—I don't know. Maybe it was the right foul. I'm not sure. But the real question that comes in 
and I, you know, by no means am I coming at this as a Tulsa fan. Um, immediately after that, play starts right back up. Um, Phoenix uh, ends up uh, having the, uh, picking up the ball in the midfield. James Musa picks up the ball in the midfield, and Fredlin Montfermier, this really quick midfield, or uh, actually I think it was playing forward, uh, forward for Tulsa, slides in a challenge in the middle of the field for like no reason at all, ends up scissoring Musa to take him down and earns himself a red card. Now, the announcers on the feed <clears throat> didn't seem to know or be confident, at, at least uh, this was uh, um, Tyler and Devin, didn't know or didn't seem to be very confident that this should be a straight red. I felt like it was a straight red from the start. Dom, what did you see? Uh, it's interesting because when I saw it in lifetime, I was thinking, all right, that's a yellow. That's not a red. But then you see the replay and the boots were high and you can see it's a red. And I think if this was a normal game and there were like no cards prior to that challenge, maybe like one or two yellow cards before that, then that's probably a yellow card and you can't really have too many complaints about it. And I think it's one that could go either way, but because this guy was so card happy, if he's going to call breathing on an opponent a yellow, then you have to call that a red. That's the way that I justified it, and I think it makes sense. Kyle, agree, agree yeah. or disagree? Absolutely. That that was my same thinking, Tom. I mean, it, you know, up until that point, Phoenix had been, you know, gotten four yellow cards, and like we said, two, two and a half were probably earned, but. I think that if you look back at the replay and you look at Mon Premier's left leg and how high it is up, it's making contact with James Musa's knee. And it is a very dangerous swipe. And the angle that the referee was at, he was able to see it cleanly. And, yeah, if those other four fouls had been yellows, I think this, you know, qualified as a red. And this referee, as we said, was very card-happy, throwing out some mustard and ketchup all night. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised at all to see this, you know, turn into a red card challenge. Boone, anything to add? I think the art. Yeah, let Boone go. No, I, you know, I found, or I feel like I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but you guys have it spot on. Watching it real time, I assumed it was going to be yellow. Watching it back on the replay, it definitely looked red because of the scissor that came through. You know, the ref did a pretty dang good job of seeing that. He was in position. He, he made the right call. Would I have been upset had it not been red? I don't think so. But, you know, given the way the game was going, and this ref in particular, it's it's not surprising at all that it was red. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing red the whole time because I did see his leg come up right at the very start. So, I mean, it, 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 was, it was just nasty. But, and, and that pretty much finished us off the, uh, um, the first half. Lots of fouls. Lots of slow play, incredibly inaccurate passing. Um, I, I don't know what our overall pass accuracy was for the for the first half, but for the whole match, we were at 78%, which is way, way less than, than we're, we're typically at. We're usually in the mid-80s on, on passing accuracy. Now, Tulsa is one of the worst passing teams in the league, 
Uh, they finished the match with 64% passing accuracy. That is not not good at all. Uh, no wonder they, they, they're not doing so well. But uh, any other thoughts that you guys want to share about the first half? All right, moving. Just that it was over. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say I was happy when the whistle blew and it was nil-nil. Um, I think, you know, that was good for Phoenix to get out unscathed. And I think going up a man and knowing that we'd be going to the next half up a man, I liked our chances. But still, um, you know, Tyler and Devin were talking about back to that Fresno match where they ended up going down a man early and just kind of hunkered in and were able to grind out a stalemate. And it kind of looked like that it was maybe going to be the result going into halftime. Now, as I was watching, uh, uh, I was going to say Coxie Review. As I was watching um, the CW, I was getting the good announcers. Uh, Dom, you were, you guys were watching the, the the feed, which was the alternative announcers. Is that right? This was the Tulsa announcers, yeah. So, uh, you know, tell us about our new player. Um, I, I, I heard we have this really great new player named Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we got this guy, Samuel Asante. I guess he's um, – I haven't really heard of him. I think I think he's related to this other guy, Asante Samuel, who's in the NFL. Um, he's also tight with Samuel Jackson <laughs> of uh, movie fame. So, I don't know. Those guys must have hooked it up, told him to come over, play some USL soccer, and uh, get get that money. Um I mean that. Well, yeah, this Samuel Asante guy. Just, just terribly embarrassing. Uh, terribly embarrassing. And after listening to the the uh, most recent um, Three Honest Lads podcast, um, which by the way is fucking good, um, they they swear in it. So in their honor, I have to I have to use a little salty <laughs> language. Um, you know, they, they kind of talk about what talked about what they do to prepare for a match in terms of watching film and checking stats and all this other stuff. And man, it, that's embarrassing to, to screw up the name of the golden boot leader. That's awful. It, it also wasn't the only time they messed up um, with our players. And they were also just quiet for large stretches of the, of the match. It's like, it's like going back 20 years ago to like the nineties and having a football announcer do soccer games like the very start of MLS. That's what it felt like. Like these people were just doing local college broadcasts or they were on like the local uh, sports beat and it's like, hey, let's just throw you in here. You guys can announce Tulsa games. And they're like, okay. Yeah, definitely not a good look for the lead league. Uh, so as we're heading into the second half and we'll start talking about the second half, um, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, – um, introduce really quick. We have another voice who who uh, will introduce a little bit. Although I just heard some feedback, uh, we have none other than Rob Ashpole who's going to be joining us for a little while. What's up, Rob? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You uh, that's quite the intro, though. You you got that uh, you got that good car wash going, huh? Yeah, you guys didn't let me know at the time. I believe that was in my contract, so I'm gonna have to talk to an agent about that. Yeah, no, no problem. No Give problem. me a proper heads up. <laughs> Uh, so, Rob, were you were you getting the uh, the free car wash? Were you at Jackson's today? Uh, no, sadly, that was not. Uh, I'm turning in this vehicle as a lease here in a few days, and uh, I need to be interned as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome, welcome, and uh, uh, we'll we'll start passing it around in a second here. So, 
Um, all right, so let's head into the second half here. Um, to be honest with you, Kyle, I think I need you to, to, to take us through a little bit of the second half because I didn't start watching. Get, I, I had dinner. My uh, cousin was turning 40 years old, so my mom made a big dinner, and I didn't get back to watching until about the 70th minute. So uh, fill me in. Tell me what, what I missed. So the second half, I mean, it, it starts off, and it, it's really just a little bit of more of the same. Um, just, you know, kind of slow play from Rising. We do get an early opportunity um, off of Solomon Asante putting a cross in. And actually, I mean, he really made the Tulsa keeper have to make a save there. It looked like, you know, if he'd been caught flat-footed, that ball possibly, you know, falls into the back of the net. Um, and well, it took a deflection point, off. It took off a, a deflection off someone. And then that's yeah, why I, I don't know who it was honestly, the was. It was honestly a good save, and it's one of a couple that that goalie made. Yeah, we, he, he did. He, I think he really made a few good saves, I thought, for, for such a young guy. I think the first five to ten minutes of that second half, Rick Schantz lit a fire under the guys because they were playing with much more intent, much better passing, and creating real chances on goal. I think there was a corner kick, too, where Diaz tried to one-time a ball, but it was right at the goalie. Um, but we were playing much more aggressively, and then – Things did teeter out a little bit once that initial spark happened. Um, then we make a couple changes around the 60th minute. Um, Kalistri came on for Baccaro, and Kavon Lambert came on for um, – who did it, who did he come on for? Aguinaga. Aguinaga, Aguinaga yeah. yeah. And that made sense, um, Aguinaga being on a yellow. Interesting to see Baccaro come off that early, but I think it worked out. Um, that he came off as early as he did. You know what I found really and interesting Kavon about made a big difference. Yeah, you know what I found really interesting about the substitutes is at that point we had four players on a yellow, including two backline players and two midfielders. And who does he decide to sub off? He subs off Aguinaga, who is on a yellow, and he subs subs off Bacaro. So instead of putting Bjornsson in, instead of putting Cochran in and you know replacing Farrell he's he's like screwed I trust my guys that was my biggest takeaway in terms of these subs coach said I trust these guys I know that they're in trouble I know that they're on yellows but I'm not going to make a change here just for the purpose of protecting them I'm going to leave Dambuya in I mean it was just just really interesting the way that he trusted his team That's a that's a good point and one that I was a little nervous at. Especially there was a foul where Musa didn't get a yellow card, but like he was kind of on the edge there. I was like, why is Musa still in? Get him off. Um, but coach stuck with the guy, and I mean, let's move forward to um, a really good shot right before the goal, and then the goal itself because there's still not too much happening before that. Um, Rising is passing the ball better, but Tulsa was doing an effective job putting guys behind the ball, limiting chances. Until 68th minute, the ball bounces to Solomon Asante, who rips a left-footed shot, which was on target. And uh, the Tulsa keeper, once again, did well to push it over the bar. 
creates a corner kick opportunity. Um, and then this corner kick, we just do a good job uh, crowding in the box. Uh, loose ball bounces to Adam John. And Adam John does a great job. Instead of trying to head it in himself, he sees that Kavon is open, heads it to Kavon. He puts it in the right corner, 1-0. And it was just – it was one of those games where you felt like we had to score a goal like that. It wasn't going to be pretty, but we had to take advantage of, like, a set piece or a penalty or something like that. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it was it was just this perfect – Perfect pass by Adam John. You know, he's always been a threat for us off of set pieces, and I think more so creating assists than scoring himself. And we see it right there. He's got two players, you know, in between him, the ball, and the net. But he sees Kavon open to the left and just knocks it off to him. And Lambert just steady, sure header, puts it right in that upper 90. And I, you said it great. That was the goal we needed to win this match. Um, we knew it was going to be tough, but that was the greasy goal we needed. Rob, give us your perspective on this. Uh, what, what was your reaction as you see this goal come through? Uh, I I don't know if it was so much as he kicked out Lambert, but it looked like we had a few guys in front of the box there, right in front of the goal. And I just, like you guys said, uh, the the awareness just to to keep himself from uh, trying to put one on target and uh, you know keep his uh, current goal total. Uh, uh, moving forward like he has been. But, uh, yeah, good to pick out Lambert and the, the rest of the guys in front of the box. I thought it was awesome. But uh, all credit to Tulsa's keeper, too, on that, like you guys were talking about the minute prior on that uh, fingertip save on Asante's shot. That was uh, pretty sweet. And I, th I think with that goal, uh, John is now 12 games in a row with a goal or assist. Um, I, I think what we need to do is we need to reach out to Nick Murray and see what the USL record for that is, is going to be uh, to see how many records we're going to blow out this season. Uh, John, just, you know, John's doing what he's supposed to do. Dom, why don't you keep it running? Yeah, that's a crazy stat. It's true. I, was, I knew that Solomon had a long goal plus assist stat, but I didn't realize that John had uh, accumulated that many games with at least one or the other. Um, I think another note about the Tulsa keeper, he's actually on loan from Orlando City. I looked him up because I wanted to give a shout-out, give some credit where credit's due. Uh, goes by the name of Mason Stajudar. It's a weird name to pronounce. Stajduhar, Mason Stajduhar. Um, but he's only 21, so... Tulsa's playing the kids. That's a good loan signing for them. Maybe they'll sneak out a few points because of his performance. But we were able to get one by him. And, you know, I think one thing that we need to talk about here, this is a bigger point. Championship teams just find a way to win these games. There are going to be a handful of games in any title-winning season where the opponents are just, putting guys behind the ball. They're playing for the nil-nil. Things aren't going your way. You don't have your shooting boots on. You know, a couple key players are out, things like that. All the excuses in the book, and you just have to make your own look and find a way to get it done. And that's something that we haven't seen with Phoenix Rising in the regular season before this season. 
when things are rolling, we've been great. You know, 2017, we had that huge winning streak, unbeaten streak going at the end of the season. Um, but we would struggle in those matches where we're up 1-0 on the road and we'd give up the late equalizer. 2018, again, when things were rolling, it was pretty good, but there were those inconsistencies. And when we couldn't find the, the goal, we would start to panic and freeze up. That happened at the end of the regular season, and it cost us the number one seed in the West, especially the match where we lost at Vegas. We were up 2-1 in the last 20 minutes, and we couldn't hang on. This season, the guys are just buckling down. The defense has been awesome in these situations, and we're just getting these unsung heroes. And the parallel I want to make is with Man City's title run this year. I am not a Man City fan, but I just had to respect. Unsung heroes kept coming up. They were able to find those goals. They were able to break down the defenses and get the job done when everyone was uh, – and, yes, they had the best – they arguably had the best players, um, but the opponents were still really making it difficult, and they still were able to overcome the pressure, overcome the adversity, and get the job done. Um, and so I think that's just – it's an important parallel. I'm seeing that we have that championship DNA this year whether it's starters, whether it's subs coming in, whether it's Coach Chance and the whole staff, we've got it this year. All right, and Rob wanted to uh, Rob wants to chime in here on uh, something related to this great streak. Yeah, so as far as the goal streak, I, I think we've gotten uh, uh, pretty spoiled. It just seems like every goal, every game we play, it's either it's either John or Asante uh, putting them in the back of the net. But I uh, went through the uh, the prior games this year, and, and this is only the third game that uh, Phoenix Rising has played where Jan or uh, Asante were not involved in scoring. And uh, the other two games where they didn't, uh, those were 0-0 draws. So I think, uh, you know, off season when uh, they announced Cortez was going to Thailand, I think everybody was worried where that 19-goal production was coming. And when they signed Jan, I mean, he's – his hold-up play is amazing. So uh, I didn't know if I was expecting the, this tally or the goal tally, the, the the amount of goals that he's put in the back of the net. But uh, for sure, I mean, any game we've scored uh, this year to include the Open Cup game, it, it's either been Jan or Asante with at least one goal in the back of the net. So. Solid. And and uh, I did go go ahead and check the stat on this. Um, this is 11 of 12 matches with a goal or assist uh that John figured into, um, or if you you can say um, uh, 12 out of 14 matches, um, I think the the team thinks the the USL stats may have him with an assist in the Timbers match, the, our 4-2 win in the Timbers match, but he's not credited with an assist um, uh, according to FB ref. Uh, so yeah, 11 of 12 matches that he's figured into a goal, pretty solid pretty solid play. So I did pick, uh, did start watching again, picked up the match again uh, not too long after the goal to watch the last 20 minutes. Um, ball bouncing around, not a lot of excitement going on. AJ Ajakwa does come come on for, um, uh, for Tulsa. We also see um, uh, Tobina Uzo, who is the brother of Uchenna Uzo, of Arizona United fame, uh, so always interesting to see uh, some other family members. Uzo also uh, Uzo played a pretty rough foul uh, fairly early on after coming on. End up with two more yellow cards 
with uh, uh, Tulsa Roughnecks. A.J. Jaqua picks up another yellow. Malin Roberts uh, picks up a foul. That Solomon Asante causes this foul. Uh, very, very clearly, the ball's coming coming toward the end line, right on the edge of the 18. Malin has Asante blocked off because he's, compared to Asante, he's basically the Berlin Wall. Uh, Asante tries to sneak in behind him, and, and Malin Roberts, who's about... 20 feet 3 inches tall uh, you know just moves in the wrong way and Asante falls I think this is just classic Solomon yeah, Asante uh, attempting to you know trying to pick up a foul maybe even trying to convince the referee uh, that he was inside the 18 for a penalty it was almost humorous watching these two guys stand next to each other uh, Kyle what were, you, what were your thoughts uh, in, in terms of Asante's play there I mean, just crafty veteran play. I mean, we see it all the time from Asante. I think he almost takes advantage of some of these larger players because when they do get a touch on him, he's so small that, yeah, he's, I mean, he's going to go down. He, he has to go down. You know, like you said, it's, it's the Berlin Wall. Um, <laughs> I, I really, you know, I love Asante's play here. And the one thing you, you mentioned that, you know, he maybe tried to convince the referee who was inside the 18, but I don't think he tried to oversell it. And, and, you know, that's something that I like. You know, you never like to see a player try and be dishonest in that kind of way. So, for Asante, he just accepts the foul and just wants to get his team any opportunity they can to get a shot on goal. And it's time and time again from this guy, and that's why he's my captain. You know, he works his ass off every single shift, and it's just what I love to watch when I see Solomon Asante on the pitch. I don't think that there were any – well, I'm sorry. In the 89th minute, we have our final minute that gives us just a little bit of, of a, oh, my God. Uh, Tulsa brings the ball up. Uh, they're able to pull, pull, bring the ball up on the right-hand side. Um, Uchenna uh, – I'm sorry, I was going to say Uchenna. Uh, Tobena Uzo uh, just kind of fires a ball off, almost in a very Solomon Asante-like manner, where he's really just swinging – He's really just swinging for the for the fences there, uh, but actually puts the ball in a place that, that makes it a little bit difficult for Lubin to reach, and uh, Lubin has a nice save. Unsug Hukiro, really, uh, when in terms of everything we talk about, we talk about offense and scoring and goal differential. Uh, but Boone, tell us what are your thoughts on uh, Zach Lubin's play here? Oh, he's a machine. He's absolutely a machine. I think I don't recall the last time that Zach Lubin has been out of position. He is so dialed in and so focused that he's in position every single time the ball comes toward him. We saw it early in the game with the one-on-one. We saw it all throughout the game. He's always barking out. He's got the back line so organized. I mean, he has, what, 10 clean sheets this year now? which is unreal given how many times he's had to to keep a clean sheet. He is always in the right position, the right time. He doesn't ever turn off, and I absolutely love that about him. Dominic, there was some uh, some talking on Twitter um, that Lubin just does not get enough credit. Uh, so this is a Lubin moment. Uh, why don't you? Why don't you? As a, as also a goalkeeper, uh, Dom. Why don't you give us a little bit of insight on your thoughts on Lubin? Um, 
I mean, I don't know how much I have to add, but I just want to give some numbers to show what he's done. Zach Lubin has 11 clean sheets this season in that in 16 starts because we've played 19 matches now. He started 16, 11 clean sheets. That is already just four off of matching the USL single season all-time record, um, which is 15. I don't remember who said it, but, I mean, the way that the defense has been playing, he's probably going to break that. If you look at goals against average, as of a few weeks ago, his goals against average was below point six. That, again, is in the mix for the single-season USL record. I believe the single-season USL record is like .56, give or take a couple hundred. Um, so he's putting up some huge numbers. And, yes, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, it's just the offense scoring goals. That's why Phoenix is winning. Okay, but there's no way that this streak goes as long as it does without Lubin making some of the saves he's had to make. I think the RGV 1-0 win, this 1-0 win, the Timbers 2 match, all of those matches, he had to make crucial saves to keep us in positions to win the match. Even other matches where um, we've ended up having it be a route, early on in matches, he's had to make some big saves. Another one from earlier in the season, Tacoma, yeah, we won 4-0, but he had to make two or three very good saves in that match to preserve a shutout. So, yes, the offense is firing on all cylinders, but Lubin has been an elite goalie in his own right, and I don't think it's fair to say, look, Joe Schmo could come off the uh, streets or come out of the Red Fury or Banditos and easily get a shutout because we're just dominating teams like that. That's not fair to Zach. I don't know, man. Danny Aranya, the Red Fury goalkeeper, actually, he's now retired as the Red Fury goalkeeper. Man, he he picked up some good small goal soccer saves. Of course, I don't think we've won a game in three seasons. (laughs) Um, But another interesting stat for Zach Lubin, nine goals against, 11 clean sheets. He has more clean sheets than he has goals against. That's just outrageous uh, when, when you compare it. 48 total saves on the season as well. So uh, wanted, wanted to give credit where credit is due, um, as, as somebody was uh, making comments earlier uh, earlier this week. So, uh, and, and, guys, I got to take off pretty quick. Um, I just wanted to give, like, a, a last little thought, and then you guys can carry on. Um, I mean, unbelievable, this, the historic winning streak. But again, like, it goes, well, two things. First off, I'm really happy that we got it done today because don't sleep on Los Dos. That's going to be a tough match next Saturday. People are saying, you know, Los Dos has been crap the last two years. We've had our way with them. But those matches at Los Dos are both one-goal victories, tough one-goal victories where we did not play particularly well. Um, It was the Drago Water game at home last year. So even at home, they've caused us difficulty. This is a team that's actually right in the thick of the Western Conference playoff race. They've won and drawn against OC this year. They just beat Tulsa 3-1 in Tulsa. All the same stuff we had to deal with in the midweek, and they beat them 3-1. So I would not sleep on this those team. I would not be surprised if that's where the winning streak ends. I hope that's not the case, but 
don't sleep on that because they they can play even without Alvarez they can play. Um, but the bigger thing is, you know, appreciate this historic achievement. You know, and it's really been a team effort. A lot of the praise is going to go to the attacking trio, but really we got to appreciate the team effort that's gone into this. You know, first guy to even the subs that are coming on from Tucson, Rick Schantz, all the coaching staff, everyone has had a role in this. Um, don't take it for granted because we might never see stuff like this again. And that's it. I'll let you guys have the rest of the show. All right. Thanks for thanks for checking in, Dom. And uh, just know, so the test is in two days? Starts on Tuesday, ends on Wednesday. We'll be thinking about you. We'll be thinking good shots. And maybe we'll be taking shots, having shots. Um, Dom, uh, Boone, will, uh, Boone will be emotionally taking shots for you. <laughs> the water. Hey, these, these days water's more valuable than anything else. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for uh, checking in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Good luck, Dom. All right, so that brings us uh, now. We're pretty much at the uh, end of the match here, guys. Uh, Kyle, what are your finishing thoughts for Tulsa Roughnecks versus Phoenix Rising? I, I mean, I'm just glad that, you know, this Tulsa away match is off of our schedule. It's, you know, it's always a difficult match. Even last year, um, when you think back to the match in Tulsa, you know, it took a great moment of magic from Drogba for us to really kickstart that win. So Tulsa has always been a thorn in our side. I'm so glad that, you know, we're over and through this game. Hopefully we won't have to see him again this season. It's unlikely they make playoffs. So, I mean, it, I really, really, you know, am looking forward to this next match. And, you know, a lot of people were saying this this match could have been a trap game. For me, like Dominic, I almost think the Los Dos game is more of a trap game, just given their current form. Um, and, you know, we're going to be coming off an emotional high celebrating, you know, this, this record-setting 11-game win streak. So, I, really, Tulsa was a great result, but like they said, you know, on the broadcast, the shots has been preaching every week. We've just got to stay focused on the next matchup, and it's Los Dos next week. Boone, what about you? Final thoughts on this match? I uh, want to kind of echo the same stuff. Um, one thing about the the away feed or the horrible feed, I don't know what we're calling it, the Tulsa feed, they kept, you know, the match kind of changed when Lambert came onto the field, and we've missed him. We've missed him dearly. But we haven't missed him at the same time. And seeing him come off the field, they kept referring to him as a super sub. And I wanted to kind of get your guys' thoughts, you know, going forward, what is Lambert's role? I mean, it's tough to take Musa off. And the game definitely changed when he came on. He kind of came out and lit a fire under the guys and was running around everywhere. He was more involved offensively. Is that kind of where Lambert's going to be going forward. Is he going to take more of a super sub role, or does he work his way back into the starting 11? What do you guys kind of think? You know, from my perspective, I see Lambert um, as a, a a little bit more of an attacking midfielder at this point. Uh, I think that that's uh, – the 2018 Lambert was very much a defensive midfielder. I see him moving it more and more into an offensive role. And the problem is, is we don't need more offensive firepower in general. Uh, on this particular evening, we did. Um, so if, if we're considering that Musa is a little bit more of the defensive 
you know, has the defensive potential, and we really need that fifth, uh, that fifth backline player or that third center back. I think Musa is going to be your alternative. Uh, I think if if we're confident in our back line uh, with a healthy back line, I think that you're you're going to see um, that Lambert can get the start so that he can add something into into that offensive into that offensive feed. And I think that that opinion of mine is, is sort of backed up by the fact that we keep Mala in because AJ Cochran is a much better offensive forward looking. Uh, backline player, but I think coaches realize we don't really need another attacking threat here. We need to have good, solid defenders on the back line, and uh, he thinks that Mala is a better def- better defender than Cochran is. Uh, that's my perspective. Uh, Rob, shoot holes in that for me. No, I'm pretty much on the same page. Uh, the I think uh, with his offensive oriented as the team is this year, you know, that the back line is going to be susceptible to uh, the counterattacking from the opposition. And I think that, uh, you know, we have a an, uh, almost an abundance of riches at the center back position. The, the fact that uh, Cochran is healthy now and, and, and not starting a, where he could probably start for every other team in the league right now um, is, is a, a testament to, to what the, uh, the, the ownership group, the uh, management has done, uh, you know, picking up players in the offseason, putting this team together. But uh, that Duigi has been playing, uh, you know, beside himself ever since he got that chance when uh, Cochran went out sick. And, um, you know, unsung hero of the match for me, that's who I voted for as the, the player of the match. It just seems like every time there was a ball in the box, it was Duigi clearing it out of there for us. So, But uh, and just to, to kind of piggyback on, uh, you know, where we're going forward, the, uh, the, the two teams do kind of scare me, uh, you know, with them being able to bring anyone from the MLS roster down, uh, you know, for playing time whenever they want to and, uh, Fran Alvarez just got uh, kicked out of their LA Galaxy's last match, so I don't know the uh, the logistics if he's allowed to play in USL since he's not really an affiliation there. Um, but that would be one thing to think about, I guess. Uh, you know, him coming down. But uh, the good news is, is whenever we go to to Galaxy at the track and field stadium, there, uh, you know, Phoenix fans always outnumber the locals, so there's not really much support for that team. So I think that'll be good for the boys, and uh, hopefully, can get past what uh, is definitely, I think, is the the, the trap game to to try to ruin the streak we're on. So. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and that, that helps us move forward a little bit as, as, in terms of talking about Phoenix Rising's next match. Uh, Kyle, did you have any other thoughts you wanted to chime in with as we covered just a, a couple couple other little areas here? No, no, all great points, and I, I agree with all of them. I think, you know, I think especially, as you said, Lambert this year has definitely shown more offensive prowess um, just in his play and his passing of the field. So I think it's really up to Sean tactically who he wants in that center midfield role. If he wants Lambert getting forward or Musa to sit back and uh, cover the defense, I think it's going to change game by game, and we'll just have to take it as, take it, as it comes. So we finish up uh, we finish up our July matches here, and uh, now we start heading into August. First match in August for us is going to be against LA Galaxy's two team, the reserve squad there. Um, they're having a, a little bit of an interesting run of play. Uh, this being a such a easy drive, couple hours uh, across the desert here, uh, definitely going to have a Phoenix Rising contingent there. Any of you guys planning on making the match? I will not. I'm going to be in Portland this week. Sorry, <laughs> who said that they were going to go? <laughs> 
I think we all did actually. Uh, no, this is Rob. I definitely will not go uh, be going. Unfortunately, uh, this is due to some uh, work-related issues. But uh, I have been out the last few years. It's always a good time. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, the, the two team out there is not very well supported, uh, which is part of the course for uh, most of the two teams across the league. But uh, it, it should definitely feel like a, uh, a pseudo home game for the boys. Everybody's going to be loud and proud. So. I know that the Red Fury is sponsoring a uh, is sponsoring a van. I don't know if there's spots on that at all. I know I'm sure the Banditos are, are heading out there. I believe I saw uh, some hints about a new a new rail banner uh, that may be making its way out to LA uh, LA Galaxies. The, the, the StubHub is it StubHub Field? What is it called? What do they call it? Dignity Health it's Sports Dumping. Park. That's what they call it. Uh, yeah, the Dumping Field Stadium. Yeah. Um, LA Galaxy is having, uh, like I said, is having a little bit of a more interesting run of play. Um, two draws, two wins in their past five matches. Uh, they are sitting at 14th as a lower, uh, on the lower part of the table, uh, but they did just pick up wins <clears throat> against Tulsa Roughnecks. They've beat Orange County in their, their past five matches. They drew against Las Vegas, uh, and they drew against New Mexico United. Um, so Galaxy seems, seems to be playing pretty well. My title for the preview for Firebird Soccer, um, my title for the, the Tulsa preview was all the trappings of a record set of a record, uh, because I thought that that was a bit of a trap game. I don't have the same feel about LA Galaxy. Maybe I have less respect for them. Um, but, you know, Kyle, what's your thoughts as we head into uh, an away match? Yeah, I, I mean, personally, there's, we talked about it. There's not going to be a home field advantage for, for Los Dos. I mean, we all know there will be, you know, a healthy rising contingent, and just nobody seems to support this, this two-team in the USL. Um, but I, I have to disagree with you. I think off of current form, this team is much more dangerous than Tulsa Roughnecks. I mean, just looking back in their last five, their only loss being to Reno, um, I mean, and that was still a 2-1. So they lose 2-1 to the second team in the West. I mean, that, you can't say that's, you know, even a bad result for them. I don't think anyone would have expected them to get a win. So I, I really, you know, they concern me given that, you know, since June 22nd, they've been able to pick up results against some quality opposition. I think at home they maybe have a little bit of an edge than they do on the road. But, I mean, we talked about it. There's going to be more rising fans, and hopefully now – we have the monkey off of our back of setting the record, and now we can just go out there and have fun and have no pressure. Really, I mean, this match is one of those matches where you want to go out there and see the team fight and give the win. I, I don't think a draw is the worst result, but I, I really like Ryzen's chances. It still could be dangerous given that, you know, Galaxy can bring some players down. I don't know if Alvarez is able to move given the MLS-USL, you know, disciplinary committee bylaws i'd have to you know look it up and see but hopefully he's not because i think if Efrain alvarez is there that definitely bodes well for los dos but I, I i still have to think that we have a really good chance to get three points and if you wanted to so so let's talk about embarrassing support in their last match against reno their their stated attendance the stated attendance which is always questionable was 535 fans in the the prior home match against New Mexico United, who you know travels well, God, they, does New Mexico travel well? Thirteen hundred. The the 
prior the, the home game before that, which is like the worst against the worst, LA Galaxy 2 against Tacoma, they had 681 fans. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so bad. Boone, uh, give us some thoughts about this match. You know, it's going to be we, – we have to get up for it. We have to – I feel like it could also be a trap game. You know, we're going to be coming off an emotional high. We just set a record. But at the same time, I think that Rick Shantz really knows how to motivate these guys. He's done it on a on an individual level. He's done it at the team level. We've seen it 11 straight weeks, you know, being able to come out and win these games against teams that are going to hunker down and they're going to park the bus and they're going to make us beat them. We always find a way. Um, that being said, I think it's going to be – it's going to feel like a home game for us. You know, it's going to be a lot like – we're we're on a roll. A lot of Phoenicians like to head that way, you know, like to get out, spend a day at the beach, catch a, a rising game, a rising win, and then come home, you know, for a weekend. I think that it's going to be uh, favorable for us. I think that we're going to go there, we're going to take care of business, and we're going to come home with our 12th straight win. And LA Galaxy does have a uh, – they have a match today. Uh, We're we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, We'll have this up on a Monday or Tuesday. Um, They do play today. They play against Portland. So they'll be playing on slightly shorter rest than typical. Uh, A couple players to look out for in terms of LA Galaxy. Frank Lopez is their Cuban midfielder, 23 years old. He's got six goals on the season. Uh, Kai Karenik has five goals on the season. And Augustine Williams has four goals on the season, so they have no players with with you know more than more than uh, six goals. Uh, their leading assister is Brian Iloski, followed by Ernesto Ernesto Walker with four and three assists. So there's not a lot of gameplay that's going on there either. Uh, they don't have, seem to have a central scorer. They don't seem to uh, well, uh, Frank Lopez with six goals. Um, they don't seem to have a a central playmaker that, that's feeding the assists out. Um, not a lot to have to be too terribly concerned about there um, in, in terms of firepower uh, on on their half, behalf. They are a very young team. Their youngest player on their roster is 15 years old. Uh, defender Mario Cuivas. He's got two starts. We probably are not going to see him. Efren Alvarez has played one match for them, the 16-year-old midfielder, uh, phenom player who lit us up last season um, in, in one of his his first matches. He had a hat trick against us. So uh, Efren does come down and play. It is going to be interesting to see if that's an allowable, uh, if that's something that they allow. MLS would sus- does suspend him, but he... MLS and USL are not the same deal, so that that's going to be interesting. Uh, Rob, you kind of you shared a little bit of your feelings earlier. Do you have anything else to, that you want to add about this upcoming match? No, I mean this is definitely not your 2018 Los Dos. Uh, light year is different. I mean they're in the mix for getting into the playoff round, and uh, I, I definitely think that uh, yeah, this is more of a trap game than the last one. Uh, like I said, the MLS two teams always scare me, being able to bring people down. Uh, to get minutes, uh, get them in form. But, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be a good game. Uh, you know, part of me, it, you know, we're not going to win them all. Uh, you know, that'd be nice to, to run the table all the way up to the uh, the USL Championship Cup. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to get that loss out of the way. Um, hopefully it's not this one. And, uh, you know, hopefully when it does come, it, it's, 
we're not losing ugly. So. Love to make it a little bit harder on whoever's going to try to uh, come after us. Uh, we'd like to. We'd, we'd love to have this this uh, this record stand a little bit longer than FC Cincinnati got to see their record stand. Uh, and, and while they're, they've made their way out of the league, um, I'm sure it, it hurts a little bit that we're erasing uh, their hit, the history that they made. Uh, in terms of club news, uh, not a lot of club news. I think uh, uh, I don't think the news had broke before that as as a result of their efforts in the RGV match, uh, not the RGV match. Uh, what was our dollar beer night? Was that RGV? <laughs> the last match, the, our last home match. Last match, that was Austin. Austin, yeah. As a result of of their efforts in the Austin match, Junior Flemings and Solomon Sante were named to the team of the week. Uh, big surprise there. Almost a uh, just kind of a typical thing. Certainly waiting for our defenders to get in the mix and, and get some recognition on that team of the week, but. Um, and Lubin as well, with his leading in clean sheets. I think he's only been part of the team of the week once, uh, but at the same time, uh, he's not. Uh, our back line's keeping the ball away from him pretty good. Um, I don't think there's, there's any other team news there. Anybody else have anything to add there? Any uh, visa update issues or, or FIFA transfer certificate news on our, our new boy from Liverpool? I have not heard anything on that. That might be something we need to reach out for and, and try to figure out what's going on. Um, I really hope it's not one of those these situations where they announce them and they can't get them a visa, uh, but who knows. Um, in Phoenix Rising overall club news, uh, Chattanooga Red, uh, FC Tucson drew with the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, it's not something we typically talk a ton about, uh, but I do, did want to mention that, um, Wheeler Amienu and, um, Vega, as well as Howell, I think, got, all, they all had time in that particular match. I thought Howell actually had the goal in that match, but it wasn't. It was, um, the, the team captain Venter that had uh, had a goal in that match against the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, FC Tucson sitting just below the playoff line. Ten teams in in League One right now. Uh, playoffs will be amongst the top four teams currently: North Texas, South Georgia, Tormenta, Lansing, Ignite, and the Chattanooga Red Wolves. FC Tucson biting on Chattanooga's heel there uh, with 23 points to Chattanooga's 25. And Lansing only has 27 above that. So uh, they're going to start heading into some playoff run. Uh, I think that their season is roughly about the same amount of time as the USL championship season is. Uh, but you know, good to see that FC Tucson is, especially after a bit of a rough start, uh, that they continue to, uh, to make some gains and uh, challenge for playoffs there. Are you guys catching any FC Tucson stuff in in your off time here? Uh, I do follow them a little bit. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I think they they made uh, uh, USL Twitter uh, headlines with uh, the Ford Madison uh, shade thrown at them. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter, but it uh, you know it kind of hurts being a, a rising Tucson fan. Um, but that was probably uh, you know team tweet of the year. I don't know if you guys saw it, but they uh, posted this photo of. Uh, uh, 
eco biodegradable things in the ocean how long it takes to break down it'd be like you know like plastic six-pack rings 20 years and then uh they all of a sudden you saw the fc tucson emblem and it says 45 seconds to break down uh, on their match Ooh. there uh that that was pretty amazing but it's nice to see they got one back with a uh, an early goal themselves so yeah yeah and uh i you know i i I think uh, the time for Devin Vega is going to be uh, important down there. I don't think that we're going to see Vega in Phoenix Rising uniform again at this point. I know we started the season kind of high on him, but uh, I think this might be the level that he, that, that uh, League One may be the level that he's supposed to be at, at least for the for the near future. So we'll see. We'll see as things uh, uh, people come up and come down. Uh, Wheeler Armienu with some time, Ramon Howell with some time, uh, Bjornsson, Ledbetter, uh, all, all with some time with the parent club. So uh, that, that that's a good deal with what's going on. Uh, in non-USL, non-Phoenix Rising news, uh, very, very interesting thing happened. Our, our <clears throat> Rob, Rob Ash, Ashpole's uh, favorite team, uh, FC Arizona, was slated to be part of the uh, NPSL National Premier Soccer League Founders Cup tournament, and this was supposed to be a tournament uh, between oh, it's Members Cup now, right? Exactly between ten, ten or twelve teams with an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference, as NPSL, which is an amateur-sanctioned league, tries to make itself as a professional league. Um, they made a big announcement, a lot of hubbub, a lot of, of talk about it at the beginning of the NPSL season. And now that the NPSL season has wrapped up and around half of the teams have bolted from the tournament um, or the league itself, actually, a lot of defections over to NISA and ISA. Uh, NISA is a new professional league, sanctioned Division Three, that's going to be starting up. There, that's going to be interesting because they're actually going to be a fall league. Um, so a bunch of teams leaving NPSL for NISA. A lot of those teams were these Founders Cup uh, teams. And now FC Arizona, one of the original Founders Cup, will not continue in in the Members Cup, the NPSL Members Cup, uh, which is replacing the Founders Cup. Very, very amateurish sort of things going on in lower division soccer. Um, and the, the only reason why I want to mention it is because FC Arizona was involved. Um, any thoughts on the state of amateur soccer around the country? Does anybody want to chime in on that? Uh, no, and not really. I mean, FC Arizona, I mean, I wouldn't know of any news because they don't post them, and plus I couldn't see it anyway because 99% of the Valley uh, soccer fans are blocked from that uh, that account. But, uh, no, it was definitely interesting to hear that uh, they were left off yeah, with basically no reason or, or, or rhyme as to why. Uh, I, I think most of us can kind of figure out that it, it has to do with money. There's no way they can support flying out to the East Coast like that uh, and make it anywhere near profitable. Uh, rumors are abound. I think that uh, – uh, the owner that shall not be named has lost tons of money. But uh, and on a side note, before we wrap it up, I just uh, Phoenix Rising alumni uh, Colin Fernandez, you know, getting the transfer out to St. Louis FC team that's kind of on the downward slide uh, following the New Mexico United's uh, 
uh, open cup uh, misery, but, uh, you know, getting into the action right away, it's nice to see him get playing time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think we uh, we talked about that a little bit last week. I haven't had a chance to, to see if he's been able to make, make some moves there. So, um, so unfortunate for any, anybody who's an amateur soccer fan or a New York Cosmos fan, we will not see uh, see the New York Cosmos out here. I really have a feeling that that that's what um, FC the, the FC Arizona uh, leadership was was hoping for that they were going to get um, some of these well followed former um, uh, NASL teams to come out here and be able to make some money off of that certainly was not going to happen. And uh, now the owner of New York Cosmos, Rocco Camiso, um, is now an owner in what? Is it Benfica? What, he, he purchased another team. Uh, oh, it was uh, Serie A, I think, Italy. Yeah, right? he purchased uh, Florentina, Italy's Florentina, actually, um, the Florentina squad. So Rocco Camiso owns the Cosmos they have issues in NASL, the, uh, uh, and he pretty much destroys NASL um, as as in his role with with uh, the Cosmos. He decides to come take his team from NAS, the defunct NASL to NPSL, creates the Founders Cup. Rocco Camisa destroys the Founders Cup uh, and and uh, destroys a lot of relationships in NPSL. Uh, now his attention is on Florentina. If you are a fan of Fiorentina, my condolences, because this guy is just a soccer wrecking crew. <laughs> um, his arrogance, his his soccer smarts are just so poor. Um, other than buying the team and having a field named after him in in, in New York, uh, I don't even know where you call it. Um, the north portion of Manhattan Island, uh, Camiso is just a cancer on soccer. So let's hope he never makes his way to USL because he's just no good. That's my my opinion. I, I'm not, not going to lie, though. I'd love to see the Cosmos brand in, in USL. I think there's just so much rich history there that uh, it's a shame that they're they're not given their their due diligence in the the, the U.S. soccer world. So I would only do it if we could see Pele play. That's all. Pele against Didier. <laughs> Pele versus Didier. One v one. Oh, that would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pele still has it a little bit. Um, Ronaldo, uh, the Br- Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, there's still some great video on YouTube. He still plays down there. He plays in like a uh, small goal stuff or or f- some futsal, and the guy has. Besides for the fact that he's gained a little b- bit of weight, he's now sh- now should be called. A, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Uh, he's a little bit of a round mound or rebound, um, and uh, but still, still has a plenty of skills. That's it as far as team stuff going on. I don't think that there's a lot of leak. There's any real leak news to talk about. Uh, let's run through some standings here a little bit, and we can run through the the match report as well. Um, the the, uh, there are still two matches to play today. Again, Portland plays L.A., uh, Loudon plays Louisville, but of course we only really care about the Western Conference here. Uh, Orange County puts up a big zero against Sacramento Republic. 
I think that that's a nice nice benefit to both of us. Aaron Cervantes, uh, goalkeeper for Orange County, had a lot of great saves to to uh, Sacramento out of the net. He was their man of the match. Reno puts up on four on the switchbacks. I think the switchbacks in Tacoma are really fighting for who the worst uh, team in the league or in the conference happened to be. Las Vegas Lights puts up two on Rio Grande Valley. RGV is able to score one. Uh, there is a little bit of controversy in that particular match. Um, that might be one to go back and watch if you wanted to. OKC Energy puts up two on Tacoma. Uh, no big surprise. San Antonio pulls off three against the Real Monarchs. So Real Monarchs having a really nice run of play. Uh, they, they they roll off five in a row to try to get themselves back into some discussion. Then they draw, and then now they lose against San Antonio. In that match, I believe former Phoenix Rising player Billy Forbes uh, was able to pick up his what I believe is his third goal of the season. Might might be his fourth goal. Uh, the game day report says fourth. Fourth goal. But I, I don't. I I can only remember three. So, yeah. Really, I only remember the one. Really, I only remember one. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Austin Bold helps us out. Helps uh, coming off of a terrible loss, <laughs> the six-nil loss. Austin Bold picks up uh, one goal against Fresno. Uh, really helps us out as Fresno is nipping on the heels, uh, currently in third place with 37 points. Um, Isaac Promise who was a player who I, I actually was paying attention to a little bit in that match, uh, showing some skills uh, to be able to score that game's goal uh, for Austin. That is it for the Western Conference. Did you guys catch any matches? Were you, did you see any highlights, Any see anything interesting out there? I saw I the highlights of that right the no Austin match, but other than that, no. Yeah, there's not a lot to be paying attention to. Uh, standings run down. Phoenix Rising in first place with 44 points. Reno still back uh, one match. I'm sorry, with two games in hand on Phoenix, they're at 41 points. So they they played 22 to our 20. Uh, they are three points behind us. Fresno, with 20 games played, has 37 points. Uh, so that that's a nice stretch. There's there's seven points in between us and Fresno at, at, at this particular junction. Uh, nice separation there. Austin Bold picks up three points, uh, in, in, uh, as we said before, against Fresno. 21 games played, 32 points. New Mexico United uh, has 29 points in 20 matches. Interesting for them, they're only they only have one win in their past five matches. El Paso Locomotives, 20 matches played with 29 points. They sit in sixth place. OKC Energy, 29 points, sitting in seventh. Real Monarchs and Portland Timbers, two, with 28 points apiece. Uh, Timbers, two, having a terrible run right now. They have no wins in their last five matches. Four losses and a draw uh, have stuck them basically at 28 points. Sacramento Republic uh, have are tied with San Antonio and Orange County with 27 points apiece. Orange County does have 27 points, but they're, they've played 22 matches. Uh, that stretches you down to the 12th place in the conference and just below that number 10 line, uh, which is which is where the playoffs are going to be determined. So 
some teams having some rough times out there, that's for sure. I mean, even OKC, uh, two wins, two losses, and a draw in their past five. Uh, so some interesting things out there. Rob, before we close here, who's as, as you're listening to those standings, who's your biggest threat? Who are you the most worried about? Uh, I would have to say Fresno. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for Phoenix Rising, I think the, the, the league talk would be on them. They're, I think, on, what, six games in a row, six victories in a row. I mean, they're an unbelievable run of form. Um, but uh, it, it's it's pretty crowded up top. I know we uh, they are even games in hand. Uh, we currently have the uh, seven point lead on them, but uh, they've been pretty well playing pretty well. They're in top form, and I, I think we might even have them coming up in a few weeks. So, what about you, Kyle? Who's yeah. your biggest threat? Yeah, I think I think Fresno. I think you know we already had our away game to Reno, and you know we played a very very solid match. I think I think that Fresno, they're a team who plays very well at home. We still have to go play at Fresno. And, you know, thinking back to their result, and I believe it was early April, we ended up having a 0-0 match against them. And that was a really difficult match for us. That was at that, you know, beginning part of the season where we just could not buy ourselves a win. We could not get anything. And that match ended up 0-0. So we really, you know, weren't able to get much against Fresno. They're a very tough defensive team. For me, I mean, that's really who I think. At the end of the season, I think they're in the second spot in the West. I think they overtake Reno just given the matches in hand. But, uh, yeah, Fresno is definitely the team right now that I do not want to play. And I don't know how soon we play them, but I know we still have to go to Fresno and play. Yeah, so our next match against Fresno is going to be on September 20th. It's going to be part of that end run, uh, and it really starts – kind of a, a rough end of the season where we have Fresno and then New Mexico United. Uh, so Fresno one week, New Mexico United the next. Those two is going to, those are going to be a big switch before we end up seeing Timbers two who have played well this season and then not played well and then played well and not played well. Um, so that, that stretch of three games, Fresno, New Mexico, then the Timbers two is going to be a really tough one uh, uh, starting on September 20th. Which is currently a playoff team. So. Yeah, yeah. Boone, uh, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, you know it's a it's a tough season. We're about halfway over. The view is beautiful from the top. Um, I think if we just worry about ourselves, take care of our business, like we've uh, we've done eleven times in a row, it's gonna continue. Um, the team that I think is the biggest threat is still Reno. Um, I think. Teams are going to have a tough time going into Reno and getting wins. We were, we played probably our best match of the season there. Um, I think they're going to pick up some points here. You know, second half of the season, they're they're good. They're a good team. They're a good Western Conference team. Um, that's for sure. But I'm excited about this team. View is beautiful from the top. We're going to continue to win. We're going to. I feel like we're going to really open up some space between us and the second and third place teams in the next couple of weeks and. Uh, We'll we'll go from there. We'll just take it one game at a time and and do what we do. That's a that's exactly it. Do what we do, uh, and uh, so our team will do what we do. Our podcast has done what we done. Thank you very much to uh, Rob Ashpole and Boone Brady for joining us uh, um, as as our guests host for today. Glad to hear Dom getting done with his. Uh, uh, with his bar exam, that way we can move forward uh, as 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 we normally do. So for my co-host 
Kyle Mackey and our guests Boone and Rob and Dominic, who's going to be passing a test this week so that he can save the planet. I'm Aaron Blau for the Risings One podcast. We are rising as one. Uprising. 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 The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. USL.